This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe Sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better host, or if you're looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month absolutely free. And now, enjoy the show. Hiya, it's the Concrete Rose Sunny Kiss, AEW wrestler, and you are listening to Busted Wide Open Podcast. Remember to stay sunny delicious. You're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. Dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling. With your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, but if this is your first time joining the show, I'd like to welcome you to episode number 236. Correcting last week, it was actually 235, not 234. My name is Nick Howell. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous, and I'm pretty sure that Bruce Pritchard is the WWE equivalent of Varys from Game of Thrones. If you just shaved him bald, he'd even look like him. It's been a hell of a week over in the WWE, Woo! Nick. There's been some shakeups and some madness. I even saw uh, Krista Joseph tweeting out last night that he felt like he dodged a bullet. When it came to hashtag Raw, hashtag SmackDown. My goodness, we got to talk about all of that today on the show. Uh, SmackDown happened last night, and of course, we had to discuss AEW and NXT. And uh, of course, tomorrow, Nick, we've got backlash. There's a lot on the show no, there's, today. There's nothing going on. There's we, so we, there's much. nothing to talk about today, there's guys. I'm sorry. So much. What are you? What are you talking about? <laughs> Welcome to the show, everybody. We're going to talk about lots of wrestling, but first, we got to do a little bit of housekeeping, and then we will yes. get into the grapplings. Yes, guys, come over and join us on Facebook. Uh, just search for Busted Wide Open over there. You can like our page. Send us a join request to get into the group with the rest of the phenomenal ones. But the place to be is our Discord community. It is rapidly expanding and growing. Definitely want to get everybody in there because it is more universal. We have live chats. Live chats happening all throughout the week for Raw, AEW, NXT, SmackDown, and much, much more. Throwback chats happening. Thanks to Mr. Andy Jessup. Thank you, sir, for all of that work mm. you do. But make sure you get into our Discord. You can find that link uh, in the description below here on YouTube or just ask any of us on social media. We'll help you get in there. Uh, you can also follow us over on Twitter and Instagram at BWO Podcast. We stream live every Tuesday and Saturday uh, here at YouTube.com slash Busted Wide Open. That's Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern, Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern. Uh, so make sure you subscribe to the channel, like these videos, and any more that you like, because we are putting up BWO Daily as well, a daily news show that's about 10 minutes long, covering the top headlines across the world of sports entertainment and professional wrestling. So make sure you're subscribed to youtube.com slash busted wide open and hey turn your notifications on because yeah. you want you're not going to want to miss any of those last but certainly not least thanks to all of our patrons you guys are amazing all of your support big welcome to our newest ones this week 
Uh, head over to patreon.com slash BWO if you'd like to get in on some of those exclusives. They're the best way to support the show. Uh, Surrey and Dangerous and I are super thankful for all mm. that you guys do oh my God. every single month. So patreon.com slash BWO. Get copies of the show notes, access to bonus episodes, all kinds of good stuff happening over there. Man, that seems to get longer and longer every single episode. <laughs> we got a lot going on. We, we got a lot going on, Nick. There is a lot going on with us, but there is a lot going on in the world of professional wrestling. And to kick things off, we're going to start with All Elite Wrestling. We're going to kick off All Elite Wrestling with the, the debut, the in-ring debut of FTR who had their match against Butcher and Blade this week. And I, I put this at the top of the show, Nick, because there's a lot to unpack here, I feel like, more so than anything else on AEW this week, because we're getting our first look at I mean, it's been years and years of speculation. What would happen if the Revival got out of WWE? They obviously were butting heads with them philosophically for years. Right. There, there was, at one point a very like uh, uh, sort of a, an undercurrent of what will happen if FTR at the time or the revival at the time ever got in the ring with the young bucks who were of course the hottest tag team on the independent circuit at the time, the time being like 2017, 2018 around there. Um, was it fair to say for the last five years they've been thought of and, and viewed as two of the best tag teams in the world across and, all promotions? Yeah. And even like, and sometimes in the same sentence, they were discussed as being contrasting in a lot of ways as well, where the Young Bucks were a lot of flying around and doing flips and stuff. The, the revival was old school, as the commentary loved to say this week, smash mouth wrestlers who really con concentrated on the fundamentals of tag team wrestling. You know, the Young Bucks yeah. kind of played fast and loose with the rules, and FDR, as we saw on this show especially, are very much sticklers for the rules of tag team wrestling, how to bend them, break them, but also follow them. Always grabbing the tag rope if you want to make a tag. And they even tweeted out afterwards at one point, Butcher tagged in and wasn't holding the rope, and they said, that's an illegal tag, and they called it out on Twitter. So that's also been something that a lot of the critics of AEW have been saying about the tag division in AEW so far, is that that whole division just kind of plays fast and loose with the, the rules. People don't, you know, they tag in, they never leave, there's no way to tell who the legal person is. And that's always in the best matches that FTR or Revival has ever had. They always base it on the fundamentals of tag team wrestling. It's their yeah. stock in trade. And that was one of the strongest things about this match, Nick, is that they came in very strongly thinking about psychology, about in-ring work, about tag team work specifically. And actually, at first, I thought it was a weird decision to have them against Butcher and Blade because Butcher and Blade are just kind of there these yeah. days. You know what I mean? They're not a big winning team. They're not flashy. They're not a team that has done a lot in AEW. They've just kind of been there to fill space. But they work really well fundamentally against FTR to show off what FTR brings to the ring. They're more, they're, they're more, I think, fundamentally sound than a lot of other tag teams in AEW. They can work a style that gets very snug, and this was a very snug match. And I thought that overall, this was a great debut for showing us what FTR is going to look like. You know, these kind of, uh, they're, they're very high on themselves. They, they act arrogant, um, but then they back it up. So it yeah. was, it was, 
It was good. It was a the, the match itself was very good. I I really enjoyed this. It's something that we are not so used to seeing with this sort of as you said smash mouth style and having two big guys like Butcher and Blade going up against two guys that are traditionally just no flips, just fists. Yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah. I I enjoyed this more than I expected that I would on paper. I I enjoyed watching it. And then, you know, what happened after the match just amps things up tenfold well, but that's, because now it gets exciting. Well, yes and no. So after the match, you know, they beat Butcher and Blade with what they call a mind breaker, which is a like an enhanced pile driver, yeah. <laughs> assisted assisted pile driver, um, which I, I, I like because mind breaker is very reminiscent of brain buster. And of course, they're very reminiscent of the brain busters. Uh, and they're 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 not being shy about their relationship to history. <laughs> At all. No. Um, you know, there was that great anecdote when they were on um, the Cornette's podcast, and they were talking about how they worked this amazing match with uh, Rude and Gable, and they were really proud about how they got that match over with the crowd. Like, it started off and it was just dead. And I went back and looked. Our show, we were talking about how the audience was dead for them. But then by the end, they got the audience alive, and they went backstage, and Vince just looked at them and was like, you know, the problem with you guys is that you're Tully and Arn, except that you're just Tully and Arn. And they're like, is this a bad thing? Is this, is, is this supposed to be a bad thing? Like, So they're now working literally like Tully and Arn in AEW. But as you said, Nick, the big issue came after the match when out come the Young Bucks and say, hey, man, guys, we were never properly introduced. We're the Young Bucks. Yeah, you we're may the, have heard of us. You may have heard of us. We're the best tag team in the world. Um, nice to meet you. And then once again, this gets broken up by, by well, pretty much a bunch of tag team guys. Like Butcher and Blade jumps back in. Um, you, you had uh, Kip Sabian and Jimmy Havoc jump in and get involved out of freaking nowhere. And now there's a match with them next week. Um, but the thing about this that kind of rubbed me the wrong way, Nick, was not just kind of the random run-ins at the end to break all this up, but it's the Young Bucks coming out and saying, we're the best tag team in the world to, to FTR. When the Young Bucks have not been the best tag team in the world for a while, and even in their own promotion, they're not the champs. And now Omega and Hangman were out there too, doing their gimmick right now, which is Omega's just kind of there and Hangman's a funny drunk, which is... As a juxtaposition to the to FTR as well, that's also kind of like, eh, you know what I mean? It it doesn't it doesn't quite meld, if that makes sense. It's such it's such I a hear gimmicky what you're thing. Saying, like, but you know I'm I mean? not losing like, sleep at night over the fact that the Young Bucks are calling themselves the best tag team in the world because there's part of me that agrees with them. There, you know, I, but sure. at the same time, I'm looking at at, at FTR. And I'm looking at Hangman and Page. I've been critical of the fact that Hangman and Page are your tag team champions, right? I mean, Hangman and Omega, but yes. Hangman and Page. I knew what day is it again? I'm sorry. <laughs> Hang Page and what Omega are your tag team it? champions. Yeah. They've got their own dynamic going on. I'd saying. rather see that than them being the tag champs mixed up in who I believe are two of the best tag teams in the world. Let's like You've got your... Chess pieces in the wrong place. Well, and, and I'll admit I'm nitpicking here, but I kind of feel like the Young Bucks needed to show, not tell, if that makes sense. 
go out there and have a banger of a match. When's the last time we saw the Young Bucks have a banger of a match that wasn't on? It felt like we were getting to that until Butcher and Blade and Sabian and Havoc showed up. Yeah, that wasn't on being the elite, by the way. That's what that's what I'm saying. Like it's been it's been a while since they had a meaningful tag match. Sure. So it just and just kind of the the passive aggressive way that Matt was talking to them was just like it was going back to to you know remember last year I was complaining about how with Hangman I was on Hangman's side they were being dicks to Hangman like once again the Young Bucks are out here being dicks like I'm yeah the revival are kind of smug a holes but I'm kind of on their side here like who the hell are you guys Young Bucks yeah. <laughs> right, we hired I mean? you. We signed your contracts. So what? That's what I don't understand. Are they playing the role of Young Bucks, the tag team that is also in AEW, or are they playing Nick and Matt Jackson, who are EVPs inside of AEW? That's what I. That's what's not been clearly defined for. Like, is there's a difference between Vince McMahon and the in ring character of Mister McMahon that sure. we've known from the. That's what I'm referring to. Like that hasn't been established if that is a thing or not. It is. I mean, Cody talks about how he's the the EVP, and and Kenny Omega has talked about it on the show. Like they're not hiding the fact that they're also officers in this company, but it does create a weird dynamic when they come out and and they say, on one hand we're your boss, and on the other hand we're this great tag team. And it's like neither of those dynamics. But like if you want to build us back up for FTR. And Young Bucks, which we all should just be like salivating for. Everyone should be like, oh my God, I am. it's finally going to happen. And this just, for whatever reason, was kind of throwing a wet rag on me. Where I was like, eh. eh. I feel like the introduction of Butcher and Blade and Sabian and, and Havoc into this was what threw it off kilter and led to you and many others feeling the way that you do. I think if, if they would have had just that sort of stiff handshake like yeah nice to meet you i'm gonna kick your ass right in the middle of the ring and we would have just been <gasps> all sitting around just getting anxious for this eventual i look, meet up, i'll right? agree it didn't help having all the other teams randomly come in and try to throw a beat down on them but again it was the presentation of the bucks like with the hangman page angle where they're just coming across as kind of dicks I think we're saying the same thing, just different for different reasons in different ways, right? Ugh. We all we all want to see the Bucks and FTR just have a forty-five minute tag team clinic. <laughs> we're waiting for it, right? right? It's gonna happen at some point. Sure, and I'll be all on board when it does. I just, yeah. I just want I want it to get it there a little better. I just, I, uh, it's not clicking yeah. for me yet, Nick. Is what I'm yeah. saying. It's not clicking, and this should this should be a gimme. Yeah, you know what I mean. Absolutely, and the yeah, fact absolutely. that it's the fact that it's not is is a little bit concerning. Um, yeah. I did like the fact in this segment that you had Arn Anderson in the crowd taking notes on the, the FTR Butcher Blade match. You had Tully Blanchard out there with Sean Spears way behind him taking notes. the The juxtaposition of having Arn and Tully out there watching their spiritual successors was very cool, but it was also showing that there is a life, there is a world that we don't see that's going on when the show stops. And that's something that every other company can learn from. I think NXT has hinted at it a few times, and they've done, they did uh, some things like that this week where they hinted at it. But this is the kind of like rich texture that if you put into a wrestling show, keeps people thinking and keeps people engaged. Do you know what I mean? These are the details yeah. people come back and chew on in the middle of the night after they've watched the show 
and they go, what would happen if Arn and Tully and all this stuff? Like you keep thinking about it because it feels like a lived in world. It's not just a flashy cardboard cutout that's put on your TV screen for two hours and then goes away and then it's nothing happens until next time. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's, I, I really enjoyed that. And it was just a subtle little thing. It was a cl- cutaway for five seconds, but it creates so much more depth to your overall show to show that that kind of thing is happening. Yeah. So I no, love there's, that. There's, I, I feel things are in motion for a new, more modern version of what's happening here. I, I'm, I, why was Sean Spears sitting all the way in the back, still sort of looking somber and you know upset? He's he Arn was between him and Tully. They had such close relationship in the beginning, and Tully was his mentor. And then Tully gave him the glove, and all of these things are happening outside of the ring, like you were mm-hmm. saying. And then you have Cody dropping the hint of he was fourth, and I'm seeing all of this stuff happen. And I, my mind wants to put it all together. Well, Dax, but we dropped, know how crazy my mind can be. Dax dropped a four after the match too. I don't know if you, ca- I don't know if you caught that. I but did. they're they're doing that. There's a lot of like little subtle things going on ringside with all the characters they have there. You know, they're actually creating storylines. Uh, you know, everything that's going on with uh, um, Ali and QT Marshall right now started as ringside skits that we would just see oh, for she, a half second. She's totally just a a spy for Butcher and Blades. Oh, come on. All right. Well, we'll get to that in a second. We've got to talk about that a little bit later on. But but first, we've got to talk about the fact that the main event was, again, a defense of the TNT championship that, of course, Cody won. Recently this week, he had a match with Mark Quinn, who was very game but succumbed to his bum ankle, his bum leg, and Cody kind of went for that. But, you know, it's, it's funny because it's another face versus face match. And Cody tends to work a little bit more heel than Jungle Boy last week and Mark Quinn this week. But he's not going all the way heel, but he's kind of hinting at it. He's kind of, you know, he's coming across as a guy who will aggressively defend his belt, Nick. Right. And I don't know if they're hinting at things in the future or just he's trying to show his his grit. (laughs) But this wasn't about the match with Mark Quinn, which was fine. It was satisfactory. It was a step down in intensity from last week's Jungle Boy match, which was like a pay-per-view match with Cody right. bleeding and going off the going through a table from the top rope. This was just like a match. And they needed to bring it down, Nick. They needed they needed to calm it down from last week. Yeah. I I don't know. I'm I'm like the inner circle feels like it's a little bit all over the place. They're just running rough shot over everything. So that's what right that's now. what we need that's the part we need to talk about is after the match. Yeah. After the match I didn't have a problem with Cody and Mark Quinn. I, I, it was fine. That's the thing. It was just fine. But it's, it was also your main event. And the only reason why it was the main event was because what happened afterwards. Yeah. Um, which was Hager marching out. And I got to say, dude, like, there's something that's... Whatever it is that happened with Jake Hager's mind between the time that he was in WWE... And even that brief stint he was in Lucha Underground, and then now, the way he carries himself, his face, his demeanor, has he's found a, a gear yeah. that is just awesome. Like, he feels scary. When he comes out, he's got those, like, his, he's got, like, a dead-eyed glare now. It seemed kind of vapid 
in WWE. Now it feels like a dead eye stare. Well, the first I saw of that was Lucha Underground, uh, season three, four, four. yeah, four. Um, when he came out, and it was uh, was was he Jake Hager or Jack Stone or something like that, wasn't <sighs> something it? Something like that. Yeah, uh, I, I can't remember what. A, but he had the, he was just a damn machine when he came out. Not taking with he had a lot of he had a lot more anger in Lucha Underground, whereas here Jack uh, Jake Strong something like that. Jake Strong, that's yeah. What it was. So, but he came out here very silent, very composed. But the way he stalks out to the ring here and immediately like looks like he's going to go for Cody, but goes for Arn and chokes out Arn in the corner. He's got this chilling demeanor to him, and I just wanted to call that out because I just when he came out, I kind of popped for it. I was like, dude, Jake feels like an a scary guy and it's great because i i was one of those people that just didn't i didn't get it in wwe we the people and you know and he just seemed kind of like floppy and useless in wwe like he didn't do it for me no now he's doing the act not right yeah exactly exactly and cesaro (laughs) right (laughs) like but now i get it now i'm like damn yeah jake's great um, but anyway, so he comes out, he and Cody start to brawl, out come the other members of Inner Circle, out comes uh, Private Party comes all the way out, Matt Hardy comes out, uh, and there's a big old brawl, ring bell ringing like New Japan, no guys, stop yeah. this, refs all come out to pull him apart, and at the end, okay, we've got Jake Hager versus Cody at Fighter Fest, provided Cody is still the champ. Which I think he's going to be because they're already yeah. saying that, and it's only like two, weeks, it's like two I, weeks away, so... So that's the one thing I wanted to point out. Like, okay, we've only got two weeks to go, but... Like three weeks, I guess. It, it, two and a it's, half. Mo- it's more than that. It's like three weeks, I believe. Okay. From today, actually, if I'm not mistaken. But the, you're, you're, you're calling your shot. You're giving it away. What you're gonna, if you're going to do an open challenge every week for the TNT Championship, don't book a match a month out. Right. <laughs> it's, like, yeah. What, it's, what do you... Like they're kind of doing it with a tag division where they're like best friends versus Hang versus Page and Omega. Uh, if Page and Omega are still the champs, and we're sitting here going, who's going to take it off of them between now and then? Come on, guys! You, you've completely nullified any other open challenge matches that might happen between now and you and yeah. getting his hands on you at at, at Fighter. Yeah, Fest. what's so, what's Cody going to do? Drop it to right. you know Ricky, Ricky Starks is going to show up. Cody's Joey Janela is going to show up right. and take it off of it. Right? Yeah, he's going to have to go defend it against Jake Hager. Come on, guys! You're you're smarter than this. Come yeah. on. They did <laughs> they didn't need to announce the match, I don't think, at this point. They, they, no. could have, they could have just started the feud. So Jake Hager's out for Cody. Will Cody accept? And Cody could be like, if I'm still the champ, you know, I've got to get through some few more right. people or whatever. Eh, this felt a little bit too on the nose, I guess. But um, there was another interesting thing here, and that was Sammy Guevara and Matt Hardy got into it here as well. And Matt Hardy came out as, I don't know, he's got like four different characters right now, like OG, not like young, Number young. Number one Matt, I think. Yeah, uh, whatever whatever it was, what, the the spot monkey mat, I guess we can call him, right? Because there's yeah. an OG mat where it's like the, the purple tights and when he and Jeff first broke in. And then there's this mat, which was kind of everything from the Michael P.S. Hayes era all the way up to like TLC. And then yeah. version 2.0 was later. And so, okay. So this was, this was spot monkey mat. Came out... Uh, <laughs> And fought with Sammy Guevara. Spot monkey Matt. Okay. We've got to we've got to come back to that because that's a, a dynamic that relates to another match. Sammy had a match with Colt Cabana. We'll come back to that though, because yeah. that's something I want to point out. It was kind of a little interesting. But I want to ask you, Nick, do you feel like with Cody taking the main event two weeks in a row and closing the show 
And do you feel like and, – and having this belt be on TV every week, um, defended on TV, not just on TV, but defended on TV, mm-hmm. is, this, is, it, is it running the risk of having this belt be more prestigious or thought of more highly than the heavyweight belt? No. Okay. I think it's I think a, a TV title like such as this is it's doing what it's meant to do and it's have always having some stakes even in the mid card lower to upper whatever any and the coolness factor of having it be an open challenge and then on any any given day any given Wednesday I guess someone can walk up challenge Cody for it he's not going to turn him down why they made it a pay per view match for one person over everybody else is still a little bit hasn't been explained. So that's it goes back to what I was saying a few minutes ago. Point being, I'm not I'm not upset about it. I like the fact that we have a title defense happening even though it is a lower ca- lower on the card, it still gives opportunities to people that wouldn't normally have opportunities. And I think that's something that we've complained about WWE not using the US title, not using the Intercontinental title at all for the last couple of years or taking it really seriously. So now we have a company that's really taking it seriously, really putting it on TV every week, and now we're going to complain about that? No, I'm, I'm not going to complain about that. I, I love it. it hey, yeah, Cody. as long as it's being established that it's the workhorse title, you know, yeah. I th- and I think a part of it is just that the... Well, we'll, we'll get to Moxley, but I, it, it, he doesn't feel like a great champ right now, if that makes sense. No. We'll, we'll yeah. talk about that when we get to the Moxley cage. They're uh, certainly not giving him the Jericho stage. That's for sure. Or he's not taking it, and maybe That's it's maybe point. it's not maybe it's not Cody and his title because I've seen this. Okay, I asked this because I've seen criticisms of this, and I wanted to get our opinions on this. Was if Cody's hogging too much of the spotlight with this belt and making this seem like this belt is more important than their main belt? And like I said, my takeaway is they're trying to make this the workhorse belt, um, but that is a danger. There is a yeah. danger. People are going to come in and be like. Well, yeah, the the big fancy looking belt's cool, but this is the belt I see on TV every week, and they're fighting. He's fighting and clawing for it. So I don't know. It's it's a it's a dangerous tightrope, Nick. It's, it's a more a, mature, realistic version of the twenty four seven championship. <laughs> oh God, no! It's <laughs> no, no. It's it's it's. I I kind of think it's how you're. Mm, they, they don't want it to be called. They don't even want it to be called a mid card title. They want a secondary title. But like like you said, your intercontinental, your U.S. title. Like this is how it kind of should be. Like it should be the workhorse title. But you know, fickle fans, they're going to be out there being like, Cody's putting himself over too much. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't but feel it, that way at it's, all. It's 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 a tightrope. So yeah. At any rate, um, also a tightrope is the the tag team division. Where the uh, best friends and Orange Cassidy, you mentioned Jericho getting TV time. He was on commentary again this week, Nick, and killing it again. Way more exciting than almost any other commentary out there right now. Jericho's just all over the place. He and Jim Ross are making crazy references all, you know, all over the place and having fun and cracking each other up, and it's amazing. But Jericho's boys, the inner circle, came out to face you know, three on three. Best friends with Orange Cassidy, Proud and Powerful, and Hager, again, came out for this match, um, which just kind of fell apart at the end. Orange Cassidy ends up getting busted open. They busted open Orange Cassidy. And then they, they, they started throwing oranges on him. They hit him with a big bag Blood of oranges. Blood oranges. Blood oranges. 
They weren't technically no. They were joking that they were blood oranges, but they they weren't blood oranges. They were they were just dro- beating you over the forehead, literally with an orange, with and then it mixed with the blood. blood which, by the way, ow, citrus burn, ow, yeah, ow, ow. So, all right. So, is this? You mentioned earlier how you said that the inner circle is kind of all over the place, and they are, yeah. and it feels like everyone's a little all over the place. They've got a couple of feuds running. So it's hard to keep track of which their main feud is. Best friends are supposed to be facing Omega and Paige at Fighter Fest. Orange Cassidy's been getting in Jericho's hair um, for whatever reason, while Jericho's after Mike Tyson. So there's kind of a feud going on here too. I'm not mad at it. It was it was like this was this was feeding the Orange Cassidy Jericho feud by doing a lot of stuff that had nothing to do with it. Right, but it was entertaining. I, I was very inter- sports entertained. Yeah. It just seems kind of random, doesn't it? Like, it seems like they're throwing a lot of these pieces at each other for for the fireworks. And then there was just a kind of minimal amount of plot development here. And there's not, you know a, not a complaint. It's just kind of pointing out what it felt like. Considering what I saw on a go-home show of SmackDown that we're going to talk about later, <laughs> I am not at all... <laughs> I am not oh. at all bothered by the fact of the punnery of <laughs> let's beat up Orange Cassidy with some oranges. Some oranges. Get it? <laughs> it's campy. It's cheesy. Yes, but man, is it fun. If uh, I never have to fun. watch Jericho eat an orange again, it'll be too soon. He take he picks up an orange at the end of all of this and eats it like an apple and then just starts like spitting it all out at the camera. <laughs> Uh, uh. <laughs> uh, very sports entertained indeed. But uh, I, I, it's, Orange Cassidy and Jericho, that's, to me, that's print, print the money. Yeah. You know, and I know a lot of people aren't a big fan of Orange Cassidy's gimmick. Well, let's not forget but, how it started. Jericho was out last week calling out the most devastating man in the, the world. Baddest, the baddest man on the planet. Yep, and and out and Orange Cassidy or the best friends music hits and out walks Orange Cassidy and I haven't laughed that hard in a long time, <laughs> and I thought, oh, that's ju- that's brilliant. So to have him come out and he had a good run, I liked the match. It was okay, but then everything just breaks apart, right? That, everything just falls that's apart. the other thing is that the match between the the three on three match was also really good. Yeah, and you know Orange Cassidy kind of just like deigning to come in on the tag and then just going nuts like he yeah. does. Yeah. So no, it's all it's all entertaining. Yeah. Just like I said, lots of lots of lots to do about little tiny plot development. Eh, but again, as long as we're entertained, um, it was also entertaining to see Cage finally get his hands on Moxley this week. You've got uh, Moxley getting interviewed as he's walking across a parking lot with the championship draped over his shoulder, and uh, he's asked, you know, what he thinks, what he's, how he's doing. He says, you know, before you even say anything to me, I'm in a bad mood because Taz has been running his mouth all week. And uh, one of the reasons I'm such just a miserable person is because I can't stand when someone thinks they, they can beat me. It's what motivates me to work out harder, to hit harder, because I'm a bad man. <laughs> and then uh, Taz comes over, starts jawing at him again, and they start getting into it, jawing. And out of... Behind a truck and trundling across the parking lot comes big old Brian Cage, hits Moxie from behind, and we get a parking lot brawl, Nick, including a, a nice spine buster on the hood of a car. Moxie grabs a, pull, a, a pipe and 
puts it through the windshield of the car, and then at the end, despite Taz saying, no, Cage, don't do it, Cage puts Moxley through the rear window of the car. Uh, and Moxley sells it like death. So yeah. last week, our big complaint was no physicality. Right? Moxley gets in the ring, stares down Cage and Taz, talks smack, and they let him walk out of the ring. Then this week, without saying a word, they attack Moxley and beat the crap out of him. Now, I think it's great that they finally got made Cage look like a mean bastard, and he got his hands on Moxley and beat him up. And you got what you want. They still should have done something last week. It still, it made Cage look like a goon, <laughs> letting him walk out, of it, and then he blinds. I don't. I agree. I don't know. Uh, for the record, I agree with you. Th- I'm just, uh, that I'm just that happy. was not the way to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just. I'm happy that Cage got his hands on Moxley, right here, right now. You, I, I, so let's talk about this Moxley being the champ, and okay. how and how it's just it's not. It's just not firing. You know what I mean? It's not a hot, it's not a hot fire championship on his shoulders for what i why what what is what is wrong like do you sense this thing? because jericho was on tv almost every week with that championship doing some kind of promo some kind of thing some kind of interaction usually with cody it was hot that first six months since then since the whole is that what it is is it, is it because moxie's like i'm the champ and yeah. i'm mad and that's all he is yeah he's just brooding. i'm grumpy he, he, He's not out cutting big promos. He's not out. He's not out with these interactive sets and doing, you know, memes of champagne and all of these other catchphrases that Jericho has. No, he's a brawler. But how do you? I mean, is it just the juxtaposition between him and Jericho? Well, let's look at him fundamentally as a champ. What's what's just not clicking here? What's not exciting? You know, like I think you're you expressing an opinion that not everybody agrees with. I, sure, absolutely. To me, he's not as he's not a dynamic champion. He's, he's not very, Jericho. He, That's well, no, I'm saying like the bar was set. He's not hitting that bar. No one else is going to be Jericho. No. Okay, Jericho was a great champ. Moxley can be a great champ too, but right now it feels very one note. It feels very one level. It doesn't. Yeah. It, it, it does, he doesn't have to come out and do goofy champagne segments to live up to Jericho, you know what I mean? Like him coming out and slouching around and acting kind of like, you know, mopey and entitled. It's a problem with Darby right now too, right? Like the, the way the, that Moxley comes across on TV right now doesn't feel like a champion. And it's just, it's not engaging. I don't necessarily agree that it's him. And, and here, here I, I feel like I'm repeating myself at this point, though. But I, but I want to get into the details a little bit more. Look at everything that happened in the first six months of Dynamite that surrounded Jericho and Cody. You had so many different things happening between his fight with Dustin at Double or Nothing, all the way up to the start of Dynamite, and then you had Jericho becoming champion. You had um, uh, the Cody constantly chasing him. The challenge you had, M- you had Sean Spears attacking him, uh, coming at him that way with Tully. There were so many things coming at that central storyline. There's nothing for Moxley to do except have one-off feuds 
There, there's no other interaction happening. There's no web or orbits of other interactions that are happening. That's what it's I mean. Just it's just having yeah, one-off it's, feuds. It's, but it's all one level. That's what I'm saying. It's, yeah. Like, there, and, there, But there's nothing auxiliary happening to right. make you more interested. Jericho had all kinds of stuff going around. There's always him. something happening. Yeah, maybe that's part Cody of it, too. Cody has all kinds of stuff going around. So, yeah, we were over the moon for that. And there were stakes on the line that Cody could never challenge for it again if he didn't win. And again, as we were saying earlier, like, you know, is Cody making his championship more prestigious? The Moxley segment was a little throwaway in the middle of the show. You know, the Moxley segment has not, it's, I think it closed, it, no, it hasn't closed a show in a long time. No. I'm trying to think back. We had, you had Jericho and Tyson, and you had Cody defending. Like, it's been a while since Moxley closed a show. Jericho was yeah. closing the show pretty much every week. With the cha- your main championship was closing the show, so yeah, like I said, it's just it's not working for me right now. Part of it is Moxley, part of it is how they're booking him, part of it is just how they're presenting everything. It's just yeah, they've got they got they got to do some work. And just having a straight up like oh, okay, this week Cage beat him up. Now Moxley's mad. Eh, okay. Now he's pissed. Yeah, <laughs> last week Cage uh, walk out of the ring anyway. Couple of super chats coming yes. in to get to uh, weighing in on it. Kyle Line Drive uh, threw five bucks in the super chat. Thank, Thank you, you very sir. much. Said uh, they aren't letting Mox be Mox. Look at New Japan Mox and AEW Mox. Embrace chaos is Mox. Don't treat him like a regular face champion. I think there's something to do that, but I think he's being allowed to embrace his inner chaos. But he's also being asked to toe the company line to an extent. He's just had, yeah. he doesn't have anything or anybody to be chaotic with, and Cage might be that thing, but we but haven't gotten there yet. New Japan Moxley also was like upper mid Carter. He was very much like a Lance Archer or a Jake Hager yeah. is an AEW. He's the big monster, right? Yeah. Because he's so big relative to everyone else over there in Japan that he can come in and just act like a monster. And it works. In AEW, him working as looking like a monster doesn't work quite as well. Um, you know, he was he was much more heel in Japan. So here he's trying to be he's got a little more Dean Ambrose in him, right? He's a um being a little goofy, I'm kind of playing to the crowd a little bit. And that eh, it's not quite gelling yet. Well, well especially without a crowd. It's funny you mention that because JB also threw five bucks in the super oh, chat. Thank you very said, much, JB. The problem is is that Moxley is distracted. Mm. Uh, you, she hears that he's been sneaking around with Dean Ambrose's wife. Hey. Hey. Thank you, JB. Thank you. Thank you, JB. Yes. Yes. Um, enough about Mox. We, <laughs> enough I about think Mox. We, know we, have, what, we have a lot I, more I to get know, to and not a lot of time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the women's division. We had a uh, tag team match. Nyla Rose and Penelope Ford versus Hikaru Shida. And Chris Statlander ending with Penelope Ford pinning the champ and earning herself a title shot at Sheeta's belt. Uh, great. This was a, a fantastic match. Fantastic it would be impossible me, for me to overstate how awesome this was because I distinctly remember myself being extremely harsh on the women's division in AEW back in January, February yep. time frame. Even from the outset, right? Mm-hmm. Riho is first champ. Then it was dropped to Nyla Rose, and it was just fumbling around with Britt Baker. We couldn't really figure out who was going to be what. Look Stop, at start, it now. pushes, and yeah. And uh, the, the whole nightmare thing with, with Brandy, right? Not enough consistent look at characters. It. Yeah. Oh, look and, at what we had this week. It was 
fan-freaking-tastic this match. Yeah, we now have like seven or eight very strong women characters on on various different levels of the division. Uh, really sharp contrasts between them, so they feel like really separate, unique characters. You can have matches like this where you know he, the heels and faces have a have an opposing dynamic, and you can see how they work together. Great, it's all good stuff. Sheeta's a great champ. Nyla was a great former champ. So yeah, this is great. And Penelope Ford is being the first challenger to Sheeta is appropriate. Sheeta does not need to have like a super legitimate challenger at this point that she no. can beat. Ford is not her perception is so strong enough. She's going to go and like, you know, it's it's perfect. It, this uh, all mm, ticking the boxes, ticking the boxes. Uh, I mentioned earlier. If so, I could if I could speak to Chris for just one second, don't overdo the boops like you do running down the crowd doing that. That's like keep literally it special. No, it's not. It's literally, I, I understand, but keep it special. Make it mean something. Don't just throw it away like that running down the crowd. It's literally like undisputed era throwing up the the UE sign. It's just, it's her whole thing. Okay. I, I respectfully do. What else has she got, man? She's an alien. You know how I feel about her gimmick. Yeah. That's, <laughs> is she, isn't she, what is, what is going on with her gimmick? Don't get me started. We have to talk about a lot more stuff. Yes. Sammy Guevara had a match with Colt Cabana in the We Need a Win match of the night. Uh, Sammy did end up picking up the win when Colt slipped on the ropes and uh, he ended up knocking him out. And after the match... Colt gets picked up by the Dark Order. They help him back to his feet, and then he follows them down, down the heels tunnel to the back. And then Sammy Guevara comes out and says, ah, screw that guy. I just beat him. I'm the best. I'm Sammy Guevara. Play my out, music. Yeah. Play my music. <laughs> but then out comes Matt Hardy, who <laughs> he kind of like uh, high school theater drama changes into a couple of his different gimmicks. Uh, I'm a different Matt Hardy now. Uh, and he does well, a couple of because Sammy said broken and it triggered it. Well, triggered but he, he had, come out. he had three different ones. He came out with spot monkey, Matt Hardy, and then he <laughs> turned into version 2.0 and then he turned into broken Matt Hardy, Damascus at the end. And the first two were essentially saying to Sammy, Hey, we can help you get better. You need to get away from Jericho. Don't trust him you know, help us. And then Damascus came out and was like, I'm going to eat you. Chasing him like a pair of chompers. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to get your teeth fixed like that, you might as well put him to use. Right. So, <laughs> so this is the, the thing I want to talk about earlier. At the end of the show, he's beating up Sammy. So what is it? Is he, is he trying to help Sammy? Are we, is this, the beginning. I have no idea. Is this the beginning? I'm just entertained as hell. I don't know what's happening. Is is he? Are we starting uh, something where he's going to turn Sammy away from Jericho? I'm very confused by this. I'm intrigued, but I'm confused. I am still in that spot where I was when Matt Hardy first came back to WWE, and we knew that he had been doing the broken stuff, and we were we all wanted it to come over to WWE because it was over AF. And I'm kind of just sitting back, hands off the wheel right now, enjoying getting to see this, arguably for the first time, because I didn't watch the stuff outside of WWE previously. I only saw it on the internet and in memes and stuff like that. But I, I'm, I'm sitting back going, let Matt go. We've been yeah. asking for this for the last five years. Let him go, and let's see what he can do. And they obviously see a lot in Sammy Guevara, as they should. The oh, dude's mad yeah. talented. Matt called him, a young, like, you remind, you remind me of a young me. So... Yeah, no idea where they're going with this, but 
I'm in, I mean, I'm he said that to private intrigued. party too, didn't he? Well, yeah, he came out with them. He came out with them at the end. Yeah. So he's playing both sides against the middle. I don't know. He's all over the place. But as you said, bring it on. This is why we wanted him yeah. out of WWE so he could do whatever the heck he wants. Colt yeah. Cabana, however, was seen going into the room of Dark Order in the back. Your boy, Colt Cabana. Boom, Nick, boom. What it, are you doing? Well, this is the thing. So one of the criticisms that's been leveled at Colt over his entire career is his kind of happy-go-lucky, goofy comedy thing might have been He's American Toriyanu. <laughs> but what if his career went in the opposite way? Toriyanu, Toruyano, excuse me. Toruyano. Uh, Toruyano. Yano Toru. Um, he started off as a badass and a mean guy and an ass-kicker. And then became the lovable master thief goofball that we know today. Right. What if Colt Cabana went the opposite way and the Dark Order turns him into an animal? It, the Dark Order desperately needs a win. They need a win. They need a success. They need to have something where they look like they're freaking successful. Because so well, far, very- they look like goofballs. Something very important happened this week. They didn't speak. There was no nothing but... Stu Grayson and Evil Uno were standing up on the ramp as Brody Lee came down to pull Coke Cabana up out of the corner. Yeah. And and I got tingly <laughs> because I was like, oh, it's time. The Finally, commentary called we, it the full complement of the Dark Order. And I was like, that's kind of yes. Yeah, the army is back together. Uh, I would have liked to have seen finally, them all standing in front of Brody Lee on the ramp. And then maybe Evil Uno comes down and resumes his role. As they kind of, of a yeah, they kind of parted. Of the they kind of parted for Bre- for Brody. The one problem I have with that is when they all stand next to each other. They, you know, when it was Stu Grayson, Evil Uno, and then a bunch of creepers, it looked consistent. This looked like a whole bunch of different. Like you're like, what? You got Stu Grayson looking like a Viking. You got Evil Uno looking like whatever the hell, like a you know, a gimp Pac-Man. Yeah. Uh, you've got Brody Lee dressed up like you know Vince McMahon. Like, they're all over the place. In terms of you know how their their presentation, it's one of the, like you know when uh, um, they're an inclusive organization. I've been in a bunch of bands in my lifetime, and the one thing that we always would try to do in our bands is like don't you go see a band and you've got like five guys up there, five girls up there, and they're all dressed in different clothes and different styles. It doesn't seem cohesive. You're like, what kind of band is this? What am I watching? Right? You get five people up there and they're all dressed the same. It feels more like a unit, and you don't have to go all the way and like be like the hives and be you know. Or whatever, but you think you know. You think you. think about you like the Ramones, right? Yeah. It's you have to have it consistent. It looks better. It feels better. It feels more cohesive when you're all on the same page, visually. So that the was. The thing I'll add to this is is that this is kind of. I hope it goes back to what I wanted in the first place. Brody Lee's final boss. Even Brody was having his pants don't match his jacket. Sorry. Brody Lee needs to go to the back and only come out when he is he is the last resort yeah. when Evil Uno and Stu Grayson and the Creepers can't get over some obstacle. Final boss. He is Dad. the one he needs to assume that role. The fact I think Evil Uno should have been the one to come get it. Evil Uno and Stu Grayson should be at the forefront and be surrounded by Creepers. And if Brody Lee needs to come on the Tron and give them guidance yep. or something like that, fine. But we it was one of the problems. Going back to Mox. We can talk about Mox, Brody Lee thing. Like, where the hell did that come from? That That's one of the things that have hurt Mox's championship reign is that whole kerfuffle. So I I, I don't – I like Colt Cabana going this way, but I, I'm more excited to see what happens with the Dark Order as we get Stu Grayson and Evil Uno back. They need to turn Colt. 
because they need to yeah. be, we need to take them seriously, and so far we can't. Uh, yeah. Looks like next week the natural nightmares are getting their title shot against uh, Hangman and uh, Hangman Adam Page. I'm, you got me doing it, Hangman and Page. You got me doing it. You've infected me. <laughs> uh, they've got their title shot coming. Why did the best friends even have to qualify for a goddamn title match? They're handing out title matches like popcorn on a weekly basis. Yeah. And the best friends had to work their asses off to get a shot at Fighter Fest. This is actually one thing that's bugging me. But uh, it looks like they're having trouble. Allie is in here distracting QT, who's having a midlife crisis sort of thing right now. Dustin tells him to get his head in the game and keep your little trollop off the sidelines. So <laughs> but we'll she's see what wearing his, his letter jacket. <laughs> she's wearing, yeah, she's wearing the uh, Brandy wasn't happy. She's like, You're, she's wearing the family jacket. Why, did she, why does she have that? What are you, 15? <laughs> Love it. I'm, I'm, I don't know if I've... I, well, can you remember the last time you saw a midlife crisis gimmick? No. Yeah. I'm, no. I'm kind of digging it. I'm kind of digging it. I don't, All right. I don't know why they suddenly made Allie not be the bunny, but okay. Oh, she's still the bunny. Wait oh, for uh, it. Yeah. Wait for it. Wait for it. She's going to turn on him, and, and it's going to be Butcher and Blade, and she's going to be back to being the bunny. She's infiltrating the uh, the nightmare family right now. I hope so. I I really like Butcher and Blade, and I want them to be something, as opposed to just you know mid card enhancement. Yeah. Uh, MJF and Wardlow got into it with the Gun Club ringside, and next week we're getting MJF versus Billy Gunn, which is fine. But you know what, Nick? I kind of would have preferred Wardlow versus Billy Gunn, to be honest with you. I love this. I love MJF when he just goes in hard on somebody. <laughs> yeah, just and then starts talking smack on him. And Billy Gunn had a good comeback, and it was yeah, good stuff. Can't wait to see uh, more of that. Yeah, uh, Darby Allen. We mentioned him being you know, <laughs> kind of like mopey all the time. Well, he's now hanging out with Tony Hawk and gargling his balls. And uh, <laughs> oh, I'm not I'm not cleared to wrestle, but I'm going to try and do this skateboard move from the top of a ladder. Watch me fail a whole bunch of times and be really bummed at myself. And then I'm finally going to make it, and we're going to pan over, and Tony Hawk's right there going, yeah, Darby, you weird little man, good job. Oh, wait, sorry, it's Tony Hawk. Yeah, Darby, great job, you weird little man. I, 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 Darby's lost me, man. I, yep. I'm not a fan of what they're doing with he Darby. He had me from the beginning, and he's lost me. I'm, I'm out. Show me something different. I'm not, I'm not coming to watch you do six, failed six-foot drops off of a ladder. He got it eventually. And, and, Oh yeah, uh, but the the yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I love how they I, 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 I kind of got excited Tony. with the black and white vignettes with the body bags and driving the truck around on a compact. Like that kind of shit has my attention. Well, it's the, the weird stuff you have me engaged. But between him like being mopey about losing and you know kind of brushing off Taz, uh, yeah, it's just it's a it's a little too whiny teenager for me and maybe it's because i'm yep. i'm old and grumpy i just my favorite part about this was darby you know falling off this ladder time and time again and dying which is a great thing to do if you can't be clear to wrestle let's go you know do that okay fine whatever that's his character he keeps falling off he finally does it he comes around and tony hawk is just sitting there going like dude i could have done that like 15 minutes ago the first time what are you doing you little idiot like it is <laughs> the juxtaposition was fantastic anyway whatever um, yeah, Darby not liking the way he's going, but I'm liking the way they're going with Joey Janela and Sonny Kiss. Joey's drinking at the bar, feeling like he's lost his way. And, uh, as he's going out of the bar, being all mad at his life, Sonny Kiss rolls up in a beautiful car looking outstanding and they both drive off 
to like some 80s music, and it felt a little Miami Vice-ish. I'm not gonna lie. I dug felt, it. Felt felt very cool. And they said yeah. to be continued. The adventure. I've been waiting of- to see how they were going to eventually debut Sunny Kiss into the program. So we'll see. It, like it's, I, I'm interested to see how this is all going to shake out. Because, well, they've been working with Sunny and trying to yeah. get her so that her moves pack more punch, and she's been looking a lot better in the ring. And I guess that they're they're like it's finally time to pull the trigger. She's been having some great matches on Dark recently, so this could be a really cool matchup between these two. So very cool, all kinds of down for it. Give me more of that. And Nick, overall, a very good episode of AEW. But speaking things, you can give me more of. You can give me a hell of a lot more of what we saw this week on NXT. Okay, we, <laughs> this is this is tricky to get through, but there is a lot of stuff happening in NXT, seemingly all of a sudden. So, like we got we got past that takeover in your house pay-per-view that they haphazardly built towards <laughs> and now it feels like we've just shifted into third gear and we're revving again we're 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 taking off right so nick nick will openly admit this we're a little behind on the show today usually we try to keep the AEW set we got a pay-per-view to book a little bit yeah <laughs> we get a little bit shorter but AEW had so many segments this week and there was so much going on and there's so much grist for the mill on that show it's hard not to get kind of lost in commenting on all the different aspects of the show. NXT was a whole bunch of stuff that's all about one thing, their championships. And you've got, much like we were saying with AEW, we have a bunch of separate things all kind of coming together. NXT this week did a freaking fantastic job of hitting Mm. the ground, running after a pay-per-view, and getting us set up for their next stretch. And it's something they desperately needed because the last few months have felt a little bit lost a little bit aimless. And I've got to say, Nick, this week, they brought it back. Big time. Big time. You've got, on one hand, you've got the Undisputed Era. Roddy and uh, and, uh, Bobby are back. They escaped the trunk that Dexter Loomis had locked them in at the pay-per-view. But Roddy is still terrified of Dexter Loomis, who he keeps seeing in the crowd or like staring at him from behind a door. And Cole and Bobby don't see him. But we see him on camera, so he is there. It's like it's very horror movie-ish, um, which is great. At the end, Adam Cole has a match with Dexter Loomis, ends up beating him thanks to interference from Undisputed Era, and they all start beating him down. But, of course, this is he's a horror movie villain, so when they least expect it, he pops up and starts choking out Adam Cole. Out comes uh, Velveteen Dream to help. So Velveteen Dream is still in the picture. They all end up leaving ringside, and Adam Cole is left alone in the ring. And out comes Scarlet with a hourglass and puts it very creepily in the ring and flips it over. And the last image we see of the show is Adam Cole kind of like frightened and clutching his belt very tightly while the, the sand of the hourglass drips away. Tick-tock, tick-tock, fall and pray. That's how you close out a show. <laughs> it was it was a fantastic <laughs> image. I was like, oh my god! You had, I mean, so here already we've got Roderick Strong and Dexter Loomis having some crazy, some great interactions. You've got Dexter Loomis is still involved with going after the Undisputed Era. Velveteen Dream is still involved in this somehow. Um, now we have Killer Cross, or sorry, Carrion uh, Cross has now made it clear he's gunning for Adam Cole's title, but he's not the only one. 
because also on the show, uh, Keith Lee comes up to Adam Cole backstage before they have a before he has a match, mm. and he goes, "Hey, yeah, I've already got this title, but you know what? I kind of want your title too." So now you got Keith Lee coming for his title. Well, Keith Lee was having a match. Uh, with me, uh, with he and Mia Yim had a match against the Garganos, which was a very fun little affair, where uh, through some trickeration and uh, after Keith Lee accidentally falls on Candice and almost kills her as he's trying to help her, Johnny ends up rolling him up and getting the win, and then kind of like celebrates with Candice's limp corpse as they go back up the ring. So Johnny gets his win back and might be out of Keith's hair, but maybe not, maybe not. But you know who is in Keith's hair? Finn Balor. Who after he he got he gets his win back huh, over Cameron Grimes on this show, and then he looks in the camera and goes, "I want that North American title at some point. When you're ready, call me, Keith." And also, if, if I had to pick one thing to nitpick of this entire show, <laughs> it was that Finn Balor feels like he's downgrading coming for the North American Championship. I'll get to that. Because okay. he did beat Cameron Grimes. He got his win back on Cameron Grimes. The whole Cameron Grimes subplot was really fun because yeah. he was talking smack about Finn Balor and how he's had this match with him. He also said, you know, he beat Damian Priest, but that's no big deal because Damian Priest isn't a big deal. Damian Priest shows up, hits Cameron Grimes so hard that Cameron Grimes fakes like he has a jaw injury and can't fight against Finn Balor, but gets caught by William Regal and is forced to have the match. All of that was great stuff, and Cameron did a great Great job being like a, 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 a shitty heel backstage, like a, a, a smarmy douchebag. Right. It was all good stuff. So Damien Priest is here now, perhaps gunning for Cameron Grimes. Cameron Grimes and Finn Balor look like they're done. Finn Balor looks like he's going for Keith Lee's North American title. Keith Lee looks like he's going for the NXT title, but so is Karrion Cross And Dexter Loomis and Dream are still out there somewhere in all this picture. Oh, my God! <laughs> Love it. It feels like Adam Cole is... And Gargano's out there, too. God. ...the most vulnerable that he's ever been. And you had you saw Champa leaving in his car all pissed off that Karrion Cross beat the crap out of him. That's a ton of people all having interconnected feuds going on, and your two big male titles are in the center of it all. It's been a long time since I've watched an episode of NXT twice. I watched this one twice. Because it, it was relentless. It was rel- things were always happening, and they all fed into each other. It was amazing. It was fantastic. And the stuff that didn't feed into all of this was also great. Let's actually break down some of this real quick before we get to, to the other more unrelated yeah. stuff because we've got a lot to break down here. we got to talk about Dexter Loomis and the fact that he was nearly invulnerable and only got taken out after interference and two uh, last shots. And then was obviously faking because he sat right back up and got Adam Cole as soon as he wanted to. Is hmm. this the way to build a monster? We look at the Fiend on the main roster where he's unstoppable and invulnerable and the problems they had with him where if he wants to get your title, he can just win a match. As opposed to this where you have a monster who's beatable much like and much like a horror movie villain, he just yeah. keeps coming back. You can kill him. You can stop him. You can shoot Michael Myers six times in the chest with a three fifty-seven. You look and out that marching towards you. You look out <laughs> that window. Five minutes later, he's gone. Right. This is yep. this is a way better way to build a monster. 
I want to throw in a line drive, $2 in the Super Chat. Said, All right, thank you. Shout out to the crowd for enhancing that moment. Uh, I think he's talking about Scarlet with the hourglass. Sorry I missed that one earlier, Kyle. Thank you for the two bucks, man. Um, the, oh, yeah. Y- yeah. That was, yeah, it was I, and I don't, I don't want to distract from what you were breaking down there, but I just, I, I just, of all of the things that happened, her coming out and that just, she had the, the eyeliner thing going on and just, oh, creepy goth kind of stuff. She was in sitting, a black, turning over the hourglass. bodysuit, like, like shiny black vinyl bodysuit against a black background with a little bit of mist behind her. So she looked and she had her hair was very, very severe, everything very severe. And it looked like a floating head. You know what I mean? It looked like the opening to Zardoz. Like she's just floating down this ramp <laughs> yeah. with a with the hourglass. It was it was creepy. And and yeah, Kyle, you're right. You had like what crowd they had was sitting there going, Fall and pray. Fall and pray. And it was it was a creepy moment. And it's great. Very theatrical. Very theatrical. Lights, you know, little spotlights. It felt like a black box theater. That you know? shot. That that lower shot, looking up at Adam Cole with the um, hourglass in the foreground, just it haunts me. Yeah, it was chilling. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, where so, where were you? Sorry. Continue. Oh no, just I was I was saying I like the fact that that Loomis is actually being built as a monster. Yeah. That is, I don't want to finally say realistic, but it's it's a lot more bookable <laughs> than the Fiend, right? So that's a great thing. Um, it's interesting to see Dream still involved. I'm wondering what he's going to be, what his role's going to be. Like, the fact that he came out at all was very surprising to me. Um, you know, you've got the Keith Lee, Mia Yim, and the Garganos match. The Garganos are, fi- like, now their ring work is making me go, okay, that's good heel stuff. They are coming across as absolute, just the, the worst kind of, want to throttle them heels, which is, wow, that's what they should be. Yeah. Um, and that's what I wanted to see. I don't want to see dinner table scenes anymore. No. I want to see them doing what they're doing now. But if they're going to let people do, like if, they're, if you're going to have a mixed tag match and the rules are men with men, women with women, and me, you're going to let Mia Yim German suplex Johnny Gargano across the entire goddamn ring, which I, I popped for. Don't get me wrong. I popped for that. But if the opposite happened, would they DQ them? If Keith Lee had Germaned <laughs> little Candice LeRae out or of the spirit, ra- spirit bomb, Candice LeRae pounced her through the the plexiglass, would they have thrown out the match? Like you can't have it both ways. I know it's right. fun and sports entertainment, but it's the tricky part with intergender yeah. wrestling like this. That you know, you either embrace it's it's very binary. You either embrace it or you stick to the rules. You can get away with a little bit of this stuff once one thing happens. It triggers a like what happened with this match. You know, somebody fell on somebody and they got pissed, so the other one ran sure. in. Sure, it breaks down. Yeah, but I I would love to see it embraced. The, I just the, the equal nature of it. I'd know, love because to it turn makes off my fun. brain. I'd love to turn off my brain and just be like, <laughs> "This is fun," but I can't yeah. help it. I'm sitting there going, "What about the rules?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> ah, it's kayfabe, and no, no, it all breaks down. Sorry, sorry, I had a mo- <sighs> had a moment. Um, I'm trying to think of everything else that was involved in all this. Uh, oh, oh okay. Finn Balor beats Cameron Grimes. Cameron actually was competitive here. Finn looked like he had him. Cameron came back. Commentary says this is a series tied at one. Do we see more Finn, Cameron? Do we need to? Does yes. Cameron? I does think, Cameron I getting? Think we can do one more. Does Damian Priest turn face? Because that was kind of hinted at. 
Like, there was a lot to unpack there for me as well. You know, Priest says, hey, I may have lost, but I faced Finn Balor, and my name is going to be even more recognized because of that. My name will live forever. I'm Damian Priest. <laughs> I'm just proud of my North Carolina boy Trevor Lee showing out, man. Oh, dude, yeah. He... Dude, Trevor, Trevor Lee is having matches with Finn Balor. I want and us good to just, matches. Just sit in that moment and just... That a boy. Goodness. That a boy. Goodness. I just. Mm. So, all right. Let's let's put the final little. Let's put the flag on top of this mountain here. The title pictures. Finn's going for Keith Lee. Keith Lee's going for Adam Cole. Karrion Cross going for Adam Cole. Champ is still pissed. Gargano's still out there. How does this all fall together? Gargano and Finn versus Keith. Is this going to be Finn versus Keith? Keith. Keith drops the title, and then goes for the main one. But then how long until Karrion? Because once Karrion Cross goes for that title, it's his. I, I feel like, and I think I said this earlier in the year, and most people were like, no, no, no. I feel like Keith is going to have it before he goes to Maine or before he goes to the Rumble next next January. So I, I feel one, like one, the next one, next one he, Keith might drop the North American and go challenge Adam Cole to pick it up off of Adam Cole. And then you have Karrion Cross versus Keith Lee for the second half of the year. I think that's a solid, solid program, and you could do so much stuff with those but, two big. But dudes. the problem is, is right now they're building Cross as a world ender, and if Keith goes and takes this title, Cross can't lose to him. Like Cross is coming across uh, as a way bigger, way bigger deal than Keith. I don't think you could have it be competitive if it were Adam Cole, five foot four Adam Cole out there against <laughs> Karrion Cross. And that's why uh, I think you need, for for realistic purposes, we just saw Karrion Cross annihilate Tommaso Ciampa. Shy of a couple of moves, Ciampa just got his ass whipped. Left, right, and center. What the hell is Adam Cole going to do to that dude? So my point is, is I think there's there would be a benefit there to putting it on a big dude like Keith Lee, and you're going to get really good matches out of it. You're going to get really lot, really good uh, interactions. You can have several matches. You can have two or three takeover events throughout the rest of that, and then Keith Lee finally drops it to Cross and goes to the Rumble and goes to. Maine. See, but okay, so um, I'm looking. I'm I'm looking down the road. You're actually being echoed in the super chat line drive with five bucks. Thank you very much. Oh, sir. thank you, Kyle. He says Cole runs the gauntlet until San runs out at Survivor Series. I think he's saying mm. Survivor Series or SummerSlam. He says SS. We got two SS pay per views. Uh, Lee and Cross is the feud until Mania Takeover. So he's, I'm assuming Survivor Series because that seems to make more sense. I don't think you could, Summer, he's saying SummerSlam. Um, SummerSlam is a long way from Mania. And you, yeah. can't, you can't have Keith Lee and, again, Cross, look at what he did to Champa. They're building him as a world ender. He's not going to, if he goes for the title, it's his. He and Keith are not going to fight over this title. Um, Keith, I hold on. Keith might, disagree. Be, Keith might be fighting upwards at it. Keith's not going to be holding the belt and fighting down at Karrion Cross. You see what I'm saying? Okay. Yeah, I can. I fine. I, 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 yeah, I can get. I can get on board with that. I do think it would actually. I do think it would be better for Keith Lee as a face fighting upward against trying to take it off of the monster. How do you think about what do you think about Finn Balor as as North American champ? It works. I, I listen well. We we don't have the time for me to get into this, but I feel like it's a downgrade for Finn. Yeah, former former Universal Champion, former. Just, you know what belt I've never held? I've never held a North American Championship, so I'm going to go for that. Why? 
Isn't the other belt more prestigious? You can take it whenever you want. I'm the prince. I do what I want. Yeah. All right, <laughs> finger Finn. guns. Urgh. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm the prince. You know. <laughs> okay. I'll I eat like your it's... babies. Don't you understand? I'm hard Finn now. I'm angry, and I'm gonna go for this kind of secondary tier title on this secondary brand. What I'm about to say might be controversial. I think Cameron Grimes should be the next North American champion. I don't know if he's there yet, but I'm not mad at it. I wouldn't be mad at that at all. Because I think there's enough people in the orbit of him between Priest, Balor, um, oh God, who, I'm blanking. Who else am I thinking about? Priest, Balor, Lee, Regal, <laughs> Drake Wirtz. I, I'm no, assuming all mad Lee's at him right going now. to the main title picture after this Gargano thing. He's got to go at some point. They're obviously very high on him. He's doing yeah. fantastic work. We, yep. we were kind of questioning the gimmick at first, but it's really working. <laughs> like, he's really... I think- Cameron Grimes with a good top rope double stomp. And one, two, three could 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 pin Keith Lee, and and he's fought would, Keith Lee be before, and Keith wiped the floor with him. But you know, yeah, yeah have him come back. I'm not mad at any of this. So much going on, but that's not the only title picture that's on NXT. The Cruiserweight Championships also on NXT, and they had some fallout from that tournament on this show as well. Hijo de Fantasma comes to the ring to celebrate the fact that he is your new. Cruiserweight champion, yeah, little little asterisk interim uh, <laughs> until we can get people back from the UK again. But because um, Jordan Devlin is still out there somewhere being pissed they stripped him of the championship. Let me be clear of the championship, not of oh, the size of that boy's heat. Uh, look at that heat! Heat! It's like a grapefruit on a toothpick. It's like a virtual Sputnik. That's right. Go cry yourself to sleep. On your huge pillar, <laughs> Jordan Devlin, like Finn Balor, bobblehead. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Jordan. It's you know it's true. Your head. We is love huge. you, man. Your head is huge. You're a great yeah. wrestler. Um, but so is Ehud Fantasma, who comes out to celebrate here. Saul smiles, and as he's a he's starting to celebrate, out comes Drake Maverick, the lovable. Everyone loves him. Drake Maverick comes out. He's got signed to NXT. Go, boy. He comes out and goes, you know what, Phantasma? You put up a good fight. You know what? In that tournament, I had a lot of my mind. That's all gone now. I'm officially with NXT. What do you say? We have another match for that championship. A rematch where it's just you and me, no other outside thing. And Phantasma goes, yeah, of course. Claro que si. He's, still, he's speaking Spanish. You know, Si, claro que si. And they go to shake hands when out come those dastardly lucha ninjas. Those two masked men come to the side of the ring. And, uh-oh, Phantasma and Drake go back to back. Uh-oh, they're coming at us. And then Phantasma slowly starts to turn around. And all three of them jump Drake Maverick. You son of a bitch. Phantasma, hijo de puta. <laughs> Jumps him, stands over him. The, the, the corpse of Drake Maverick, our lovable babyface, is laid out in the ring, and all three of these of his assailants stand over him, and the two masked men rip off their masks, and it's Raul Mendoza and Javier, whatever his name is, Wild, jo- Joaquin Wild. I always forget his name. That's not, <laughs> that's not what name I want to talk about, but I'm going to let you finish. Uh-huh. Oh, yes. Because then Hijo de Fantasma unmasks himself looks up at the camera, and in perfect freaking English, says, my name is Santos Escobar. Oh, 
and none of you can stop me. I, I try to remember exactly what he said, but basically to the effect of, it was, it was what a great reveal, Nick. What an incredible, now, this, I, I marked out, we've been calling this on this show for weeks. We've been saying this is exactly how this is going to play out. We were trying to figure out how they did the old, what is it, Scream 2 trick. They, like, they distracted only, us with the Drake Maverick story. Kind of. They kind of did. And like we were wondering why people were getting abducted for a while there in the parking lot. And if you think back, it was always two guys. Yeah. So Raul Mendoza gets caught first, kidnapped by, let's say, Phantasma and Wild. And then Wild is kidnapped by Mendoza and Phantasma. And then See how this works? It's like, it's like Scream yep. 3. Yep. Um, so all along, they were all playing everybody in NXT. And now the mastermind is revealed. And great reveal. And I'll, I'll be goddamn, Nick, you know what? This was, we saw this coming. We were calling this. But sometimes the obvious thing is just the damn best. And they just stuck this landing so hard. Where we were saying, why, why, do you, why are you having Phantasma back in his mask? Why are you having him speak Spanish? The guy can speak English. Now we know they were playing the long game, and I freaking love it. I marked for this so goddamn hard, Nick. So what were you going to say about his name? Santos Escobar. Was it a little on the nose? Just <laughs> no, guys. What? What's wrong? Just no. Just don't invoke a notorious drug kingpin. Why not? Is it too much? No. Just No. No. Why? And it's and it's just no. You know that. There, not everyone knows that. Other there people are, are a million names in in Mexican and and Latin American heritage that you can choose. Don't invoke the one name that is a notorious drug kingpin. Just. Oh my God. No. It's fine. You'll get over it. There's a lot of people that aren't drug kingpins named Escobar. Name one. I don't know. They're, they're, that's what I'm saying. Exactly. They're out there, they're out there <laughs> living calm lives in Oaxaca, making mezcal that I like to drink. It's they're, Okay? Fine. I'll go find someone named Escobar. That it, my point is... That's not the point. <laughs> oh, my God. If you really... Like, this moment, this awesome moment happened, the only thing you could think is, why did they name him Escobar? I, I was watching this. I don't know. Santos Escobar? Really? Yes. Really? The way he just kind of like set, uh, set up between his teeth and just, oh, it's so good. Santos Escobar. Escobar. <laughs> oh. Line drive with the super chat again. Thank you, sir. Five bucks. Uh, Andrade better learn English quick with Escobar and Garza. Too many good looking <laughs> Hispanic men that speak English to take his spot. That, listen, Phantasma's a good looking dude. Yeah. That is, that is a very good There's Latin a, American man. It's, it's so funny how many uh, lucha wrestlers, when they do unmask, you kind of go, damn, why were you wearing a mask? <laughs> like, if I looked like you, I wouldn't wear a mask. I'd be like, I'm going to take my picture. And then Rey Mysterio takes off his mask, and we all go, oh, God, put it back on. Yeah, it just... <laughs> <laughs> looks, looks like a, a fuzzy baby. Uh, <laughs> but... <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know why that tickled me. But, okay, so... Fantastic. Great. We have so much to do now going forward in the Cruiserweight division. What a great reveal of a major player. Um, yeah. From where they started with this and you and I knowing Phantasma's previous work, sorry, Escobar's previous work, 
knowing what he's capable of, knowing what he can do, and wondering, like, having that, oh, God, no, WWE, when, he, when they first debuted him. Like, what are you doing? You're wasting some of his best talents. Nope, they didn't. They knew what they were doing. And that makes me so happy when that happens. Yes. Mm, this was great. I agree. This was great. A couple more things on NXT. Dakota Kai uh, beat Casey Catanzaro. And then they, then she and Raquel Gonzalez beat down Caden Carter afterwards. Good. Kai and Gonzalez needed a dominant win. Good nice, to see Caden Carter. Nice to see yes. Casey Catanzaro and Caden Carter on TV. Good stuff. Uh, Into Share, the, um, the Indian AOP. They uh, came in and destroyed a couple of enhancement guys. Honestly, like, I know everyone's saying, oh, they're so generic, blah, blah, blah. They got Malcolm Bivens, and they were, they are fast and mean. I thought they and looked some, And some big boys. They are some big dudes, and that looked great. And also the one guy, if you watch WWPC, the YouTube channel, the one guy is just the biggest mama's boy, and it's absolutely freaking adorable. Oh. Um, I, I love the paint. I love the look. I love Malcolm Bivens. I, just all of it. Yes. Yeah, I understand people are like, oh, they're totally generic. It's just another couple of big guys doing WWE stuff. I'm like, yes. That's but- exactly what we need in NXT right now because it's been sorely missed since, I mean, we got a little taste of it with the Raiders there for a hot minute. But since AOP's been gone, man, we've been missing that dominance. I, in the I tag like division. having some monster tag dudes. I'm not yep. mad at it. Um, yep. So everyone out there going, rrr, 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 rrr. eh, I like it. Whatever. <laughs> it's in a show the about our opinions. I, I, I thought they looked very, very efficient in this match. Very good. Um, also in the tag division, Breezango had a little video package where they were talking about how they were trying, they, yes, we're all fun and games outside the ring, but once we're in the ring, we're much more serious. Yeah. How did you, did this work on you? Did you go, oh, yeah, you guys are, you guys can bring it in ring. Maybe you guys are a threat to Imperium. Or was this a case of too little, too late? Yeah, I just, I, I'm not interested anymore, being honest. In Brizango? Really? Nah. <gasps> I'd, I'd much rather see Fandango as a singles wrestler, frankly. Oh, wow. You were like a huge fan of theirs, fashion police and everything else. Like you loved all that. No, stuff. Fashion police, yeah. So and they keep doing the what, fun interest, but I, but I, I'm not going to take them seriously. Wh- what? We, we've already got a new day. We don't need another new day. But you know, they're kind of doing you know? their own thing. I think that's not really new dayish. I mean, they're ah, wow. It, it actually kind of shocks me to hear you say that you're over Breezango. I, I like them both as singles wrestlers better than the tag team. I liked wow, fashion police, but that was about where it's that. They came out with mops and coveralls and stuff. Do you remember that? The, the mop match versus the Usos was one of the greatest pieces of comedy wrestling yeah. on the main roster in the last How like, am I supposed to take that seriously now? It's a, it was amazing. Um, he, I, I think you know, he might owe Orange Cassidy some money for some of the stuff he did in that match, but sure. still, it was good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I'm with you. Like, They're sitting there going, oh, we can turn it on the ring. I'm like, yeah, you can, but... You guys are you guys are kind of the comedy team. Like, you prove it. Don't just say it, and you're not gonna, because you ain't beating Imperium, boys. So yeah, I had a hard time taking this seriously, and I and I love Brizango, but facts are facts. Um, and the fact is, Tim Thatcher's a scary man, and he was he had a video package where he looked like he was telling everyone that he's welcome to Tim Thatcher's training course, and you realize at the end he's actually talking metaphorically to the NXT roster. And his training course is him killing everyone. Dude, we started off this NXT segment talking about how freaking packed everything is. And the title picture. Is there room for Timothy Thatcher at all right now? 
Where the heck I, is he going to fit I, in? And a character like him going to fit in, in in current NXT? I have no idea, but I want him in there. Uh, me too. I, That's I, why I'm worried. I, what I'm worried about is we have no real date. We reported on BWO Daily this week that NXT UK has continued to postpone events yeah. uh, over there. I would love to see Thatcher go over there and have a match with Walter, uh, have some match with Mastiff, you know, some big boys. I'd love to see him be a prominent singles wrestler in NXT UK. I, I agree with you. I don't know that there's room for him right now. It's it's crazy. I think there's got to be another draft of we, we've got to we've got to harvest some talent from NXT and send them up to the main roster to fill in a That's lot a of the blanks that are up there. Horrible thing to say because we we're, were struggling down on the main roster right now. We're going to talk about that. <laughs> but it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse in the main roster because they're going to consolidate and you're going to have fewer stars at the top and getting TV time. So, but yes, you're right. We do need to talk about that because. <sighs> Nick, we've been, gonna suck. <laughs> we've been pretty high on everything so far, but my God, I, I, had, I was hot last night. So let's go talk about Friday Night Smackdown. You know, I'm, I'm, I, I, I cannot believe. This. I want to delay huh? this. I don't want to talk about it yet. We have to talk about Kyle in the, in the chat oh, okay. said. All right. Five bucks again. Thank you, brother. He said, uh, Thatcher taking his students to get murdered at his school, sponsored by Murder Grandpa. Brought to you by Minoru Suzuki, the murder grandpa you need in your life. Uh, this this message want, is brought to you by Suzuki Goon. <laughs> right. If you want arms broken and teeth pulled out of your mouth, call Murder Grandpa. Minoru ever Suzuki can to, help you. Ever wanted to have a guy hit in the head with a chair? Call <laughs> Minoru Suzuki today. Right. Ever wanted to have your legs dislocated? Call Minoru Suzuki. <laughs> Timothy Thatcher will be to your house right away. Uh, I want to keep talking about that because if we talk about SmackDown, it means we have to talk about the opening segment, which was a contract signing between Sheamus and Jeff Hardy. Why? Why do we need it? It's not even for a title. Why are we having a contract signing for a non-title match? Because Sheamus demanded it. He demanded a contract signing so that on TV, he could bring out a whole bunch of security guys and a doctor and a little booth and have Jeff piss in a cup to prove that he wasn't on drugs or drunk. And to embarrass him on TV and have Jeff say, I'm Jeff Hardy, I'm an alcoholic, into the camera. To have him say, yes, I've had all these demons and I've, I've, they're starving right now. And all of, this, all of this stuff, having Jeff Hardy relive all of this and do all this on TV. I can't say you know, torture him on TV because maybe Jeff thinks this is cathartic somehow. But you're still having this guy who's got all these problems and has had for decades. You're, you're raking him over the coals on TV, which has worked out so well when you do it in the past, like you did to Jake the Snake, Robert, or Hawk. It works out so well when you do these kinds of angles. We have to watch Jeff Hardy take a goddamn piss test on TV, and then <laughs> he throws the pee in Seamus' face. <laughs> you got to be freaking kidding me. This is how we open. This is the opening SmackDown. This is why I was with, I was I was pissed off, pardon the pun, for this entire SmackDown. And we had an absolutely barn burner, fantastic, amazing match fill up the entire guts of this show. Which I'm also like I was pissed during that match. I've got to go back intended. and I got to watch Yeah. I've got to go back and watch that match again. Just so I can enjoy it, so I'm not sitting there just still being mad about this Seamus Jeff Hardy segment, which I just thought was 
unnecessary. I'd heard rumors, Nick, that they were going to do this earlier in the week. I'd heard rumors. Someone came, someone actually spoiled this and said this is going to happen. And they're like, I can't believe they're actually going to do this. And I was like, no, there's no way. There's no way they would actually do that. I mean, it's WWE. They've done worse in the past. They've done you know crazier and more outlandish and stuff, whatever. And then, God damn it, they started bringing that booth down to the ring. And I was like, oh, my God, they're actually going to do it. Oh, my God. They're actually- this was worse to me than bra and panties matches and Edge and Lita having sex in the ring. This was worse. You're, sh- you're shaming a guy. And, and listen, I don't know Jeff. They live about 45 minutes down the road. I don't know Jeff. <laughs> you could know him very I don't know. Though. I don't know the Hardys. They're right down there, though. Yeah. But. You shop at the same I don't, grain store. I, I, sure. I, <laughs> yes. I don't know if this is his thing and he's all on board for it, if he feels like he's obligated to do it to pay penance for the last couple of years of his F-ups. But either way, this ain't okay. It's, I think the problem is, Nick, is that if WWE didn't have a history... Ah, we froze up, Ian. Uh-oh. I'm offline. For perceived... Are you back? If WWE did, yeah. All right, if there we WWE go. didn't have a history, are we good? Yeah, we're good. Little freeze there. Okay. Oh well. See, Vince is out there right now trying to shut us down. Can't stand it when that happens. <laughs> if they didn't have a history of being petty about this sort of thing and having these, you know, on air, you know, airing the dirty laundry on TV, this would be different. I think it's a great escalation of this feud. You needed to have this feud escalate. Sheamus is being an absolute asshole. And it's, okay, good. That's You need to get some fire in this feud. You really feel like these guys hate each other, and they have a reason to. Sheamus may have tried to kill Jeff Hardy with a car and then frame him. That's horrible. He's now trying to humiliate Jeff on TV. That's horrible. You can see why Jeff would be pissed at him. Pardon the pun again. You can see, and, and right, that's great for the feud. What I don't like about this is what they're doing to Jeff. And as you said, Nick, maybe he's in on this. Maybe this is him going, hey, guys, let's make this an angle because I, you know, I want to show everybody that I've learned my lesson or whatever. Somehow I don't think that's the case because they have that history of doing this. Yeah. And it's uncomfortable to watch. It's not fun. I'm not tuning into WWE to sit there and cringe, not like, and not in a fun way, at this guy's dirty laundry being aired on TV and to have a guy who is a recovering alcoholic and recovering drug addict be raked over the coals like this. Yeah. It's not fun. No. And it's and, bullshit 12-year-old humor to, <laughs> let's throw a beaker of and piss exactly. in his face. <laughs> to have it reduced to that at the end where it just becomes kindergarten humor, it was, I thought was, that, was, that was insult to injury. I, I, you know, I hated if this he whole just, thing. Why are you having a contract? Listen, if you want to force... And why does Jeff Hardy's pee look like apple juice? Drink some water, man. Seriously, dude. Holy crap, you you're dehydrated. You drink about two gallons of water, quick. <laughs> My God. I saw the color of his pee. I'm like, man, he, maybe he is on the sauce. <laughs> that, is, that was like some sticky, icky stuff. Yeah. Seamus had some also, fun I gotta time getting give- that out of the beard. I got to give props to the security guard behind Seamus. You know, that pee was flung on him, too. He took it right in the face and didn't even flinch. Stood there, didn't do nothing. Yeah, it's almost like it wasn't pee. Right. Uh, almost, uh, almost like the dog food that they poured over Roman Reigns wasn't actually dog food. <laughs> it was chili. 
Um, yeah, this is this is the TV that Paul Heyman was fired to make way for. This is this is the Krista Joseph on Twitter, former writer for SmackDown, said, "Man, I dodged a bullet." Yep. I when this when this was when this was airing. Yep. And I, I feel you, Chris. Good job, Bruce. God. Or whoever, Vince, whoever. Anyway, yeah. So started off sucking. I started off mad at this segment. I had just watched so much good wrestling, and then this happened, and I was like, oh, God, come on. Luckily, luckily, we had Daniel Bryan versus AJ Styles for the Intercontinental title for most of the middle of the show. It was a five segment. It was four commercial breaks. It's a five-segment match. And it was an absolute barn burner, probably one of the best wrestling matches we've seen on WWE TV, not pay-per-views, but TV in a long, long time. Is this in the conversation for best ever TV match? No, because I would worry about recency bias. They'd have to be, I'd have to put some serious thought into that. But it's, it's a, it, definitely one that's going to be remembered as being a very, very, very good match. Like it will be I in the conversation. I don't know. I watched a guy get a beaker of piss thrown in his face. Ted, right before it, <laughs> this, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm. I'm gonna have to watch it two or three more times. This episode will own. not get best episode of all time for sure. No. Um, and and here's the other thing, Nick is I was watching an amazing match and I was pissed off still about the beaker of piss once again. Pardon the pun. Manny Manny and Manuel in the chat said he's just in time. He just got here. Said he's just in time for his reaction to the piss poor opener of SmackDown. Yeah, da, 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 da. Nice one, man. Come on. <laughs> Manny out here taking the piss. Oh! <sighs> Sorry. Give me a bunch of those. Um, so then we have this great match, and all I'm sitting here is, is I'm already crabby about SmackDown, and I'm all I can think about is all the things they're doing wrong. And I'm sitting here going... Why are you having this match on a TV show before the pay-per-view? Why are you doing it in the middle of the show? Why isn't why this the main event? Why are you doing it? Why isn't the main event? Are they playing the numbers and ratings game at the end of the first hour? Why do I have to watch commercials in the middle of this match? What are you doing? What are you? So, uh, Nick, I'm sitting here this entire match. And I want to go back and watch it because it was so good. And I was so mad during the whole thing. And I just, all I could think about was why are maybe there's got to be a schmoz finish? There's got to be a DQ so they can finish this on the pay per view. Why are you giving this away? This is the Intercontinental title. This is Daniel Bryan versus AJ Styles. What are you doing? This is the final of a tournament you've been building for like six weeks, and you got a pay per view on Sunday. I don't know. Your pay per view plus. Sunday. You got two days. You can wait two more days. What are you doing? Right. <laughs> So I was trying to think about all the reasons why they wouldn't have it on the pay-per-view. I was, I was like, first, when I realized they were actually going to do the match, I wasn't going to miss Moss Finish. No, we're, going, we're doing the whole thing. Oh, God. Okay. Why is it on the pay-per-view? Is it there wasn't enough time on the show? Was, are they going to try to make something else happen with the Intercontinental title on the show? What? Why? And actually, I, I reached out to Steve from Going In Raw, and I was like, dude, what's, what is happening here? His theory was... They knew if this match was on the show, this is his theory, if you had this match on the show, it was going to be too easy for this, or, or too likely, I guess. They were worried that on a show built around the, quote, greatest wrestling match ever... I would upstage it. They didn't... They, did, they might upstage it. And my response to that was, okay, 
if that's the logic, which is the most logical thing I can think why they wouldn't want this on that show, they want to give this a good 30, 40 minutes, which they did. They don't have time for that in that pay-per-view. And if they don't give it that, people will be disappointed. But if they do give it that, it's going to upstage your main event. What are they thinking about Lashley and Drew? What are they thinking about Jeff Hardy and Sheamus and uh, all the other matches they have on the card? Oh, well, we know those aren't going to be the greatest wrestling match ever. Like, there's, there's so much. I, I was just trying to wrap my head around. I still am. I'm still, I'm, I'm flummoxed, Nick. Line drive I'm with another $2 super chest as AJ and Brian casually decided to have a Ring of Honor pay-per-view match. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. With a little bit more uh, limb selling because Vince loves that crap. Uh, yeah. That's... Let me put it this way. The mania match between Edge and Randy Orton lasted almost the same time as this match. Yeah, I, but I was I, never... I was exhausted by the end of the Edge and Randy Orton match. I wanted another 20 minutes out of this one. Yep. Yeah, uh, I wanted to That's keep all going. I'm going to say about it. You know, so greatest I, yeah. wrestling match ever, my ass. <laughs> we might well, have just watched... Doesn't that make sense, then? The, we have a match of the year contender that happened in the middle of the show of, sma- of a random SmackDown. But if that's the logic... And we, okay, well, it wasn't even the best wrestling match on the pay-per-view. Okay, it wasn't even the best wrestling match this week. No. What does taking it off the right. pay-per-view, it's not, it, it's not going to help. Morons. What? How? Why? What? Because they, they've painted yeah. themselves into that corner trying to get a Google, into a corner again. bag. It's, yeah, or, or I don't know. Uh, sorry. I, it's, I'm at the point where I'm just beside myself about this. Uh, the main event. If you have not seen that match. Skip the first 30 minutes of SmackDown and go watch that match. Like 20 minutes, but yes. <sighs> Crazy. Mm. Crazy. I, bleh. And the main event, the main event was Miz and Morrison with Dolph Ziggler. <laughs> Not you, Dog Ziggler. He, he poked his head up. Dolph Ziggler versus Braun Strowman and Heavy Machinery. Tucker's back finally. And he's doing the backstage shit where he's like, man, that girl's bad news. You don't need to be around her. Be careful. But you're going to get burr, 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 burr. (laughs) Sowing the seeds. Don't do it. Sowing the seeds of love. Don't you do it, WWE. Oh, they're going to. You've got to have Tucker go heel, man. You've got heavy machinery's done. Oh, they're going to. They're strapping Otis. You've got to have something to give to Tucker. There's going to be a barbershop segment. And and Tucker is going through that barbershop window, or Otis is, and he's gonna, but he's just not gonna Marty Jannetty. So sorry, it's it's coming. Wait for it. Tucker Tucker betraying him, but we don't know when. We do know that Baron Corbin is also out for Otis's girl because in the middle of this match, cut to backstage, Baron Corbin is uh, going up to Manny, being like, "Hey, was that your idea to take my crown and put it on Otis's fat head, stretch it out?" And she was like, I don't know. What are you talking about? I just, I'm just standing here looking blonde. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. And Otis runs away. Oh, God, my girl. And he runs away in the middle of the match. And it becomes a two-on-three Braun and Tucker versus Dolph, Miz, and Morrison, which at first I was kind of like, eh, why are you doing that? And then I realized if you've got Otis, Tucker, and Braun Strowman. Yeah, three of the biggest guys in the WWE. <laughs> versus Miz, Morrison, and, and Dolph. I'm sorry, but no matter how you do the kayfabe power rankings, the visual alone makes you go, there's no way these guys are beating those guys. Right. (laughs) So they had to handicap it. It actually did make sense in the booking. Um, 
But this was supposed to be the go-home to get us excited for Miz and Morrison challenging Braun Strowman for his title. Did it work on that metric? Did it work in that sense, Nick? No, because at the end of it all, Otis comes running back in, hits the Caterpillar, and we're done. Yeah, and all the faces stand tall. Right. So why are we worried about Miz and Morrison exactly. on Sunday? Well, it also begs, if, if your old theory-crafting kind of mentality works, the whoever's standing tall is not going to win at the end of it. So does this kind of allude to they're going to strap co-Blue Universal champion Miz and Morrison on Sunday? If they're not giving it to the Fiend, they're not. They're not having Braun lose to the Fiend or to Bray. They're not having him lose to Miz and Morrison. This was, yeah, this was very weird of a go home sight. Had the faces standing tall after this. Very weird. Yeah. Very weird. Uh, unless they're planning some sort of swerve and they're going to strap Otis, but I don't see that happening this soon. It's just that was it was a very weird segment. The only thing I've got to say that was really great was to see Dolph with Miz and Morrison because in real life they're all such good buddies that their chemistry is off the charts. I think Dolph should be spending more time with Miz and Morrison. They should be a three-person faction as opposed to Dolph and Sonya. That's just, that's just my feeling on it. Yeah. Like, let the, the Dolph-Otis thing's done. Otis pins Dolph. We're, okay, great. Again, yeah. showing that Otis beat Dolph. Okay, we're done with that. Yeah. Have Dolph go with Miz and Morrison. Imagine the fun they'd have. They would. It'd be a good time. Might make, Dol- might make Dolph relevant again. I think that's a foregone conclusion at this point. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, we had a couple other quick things on SmackDown. Nakamura and Cesaro beat the New Day, beat the champs, because that's how you jumpstart a feud that you want to have a match for on Sunday. Uh, just really quickly have some guys beat the champs, and oh, you got a feud. So okay. there's your... Okay, cool. Uh, kind of unoriginal, but all right. Couldn't have planned that, guys. Even with taping in advance, we couldn't have planned this. No? No? Okay. Yeah. One thing I got to shout out is uh, New Day. Before their match, they come out and they, you know, did a little bit of the New Day kind of goofing around, throwing the pancakes and and jumping around and being fun. But then they get into the ring, kneel, throw up the fist, and they're wearing uh, they're wearing black armbands with the names Shukri, Tamla, and Brianna on them, uh, referring to Shukri Yahi Abdi who was a young girl who was drowned in a river in Manchester. She was an immigrant, and that case is still unsolved and for some reason getting you know brushed under the, the carpet. Uh, Tamla Horsford was actually from the outskirts of Atlanta, and she, uh, was, she was, quote-unquote, fell off of a balcony at a party. And there's a lot of weird stuff with that case. And, of course, Brianna Taylor, I think everyone's pretty much aware of her, shot in her house by the cops um, on a no-knock warrant. So raising awareness for all of them, which is awesome. Yeah. And the fact that like some names I guarantee most people haven't heard. You know, Shukri and Tamla, most people haven't heard of them. So absolutely, people Googling that, like the, search, the search numbers went way up after this. So props to having those names on there, raising awareness. Is this a really... For me, this was a big moment because that's a very, very... Um, that's a very big thing for WWE to allow to happen. Typically, WWE doesn't really do political stuff. And it's not outside of the military appreciation and philanthropy. No, they'd really. Yeah. And even that is like, like this, you could argue whether or not it's actually political, right? Like everything gets politicized these days. And I don't want to go off on a whole tangent about that. This is, this seems like, 
a basic moral stance. Sure. Do you know what I mean? So it's, it was surprising that WWE allowed it, and I'm so happy that they did. Same. So awesome. And it's telling, by the way, Nick, when I said, isn't it crazy that they just kind of jumped into this feud, right, with Nakamura and Cesaro? Why? They couldn't plan ahead. They couldn't write this ahead. Guess who they had written into the feud originally? Hmm. Forgotten Sons. And the Forgotten Sons, gone in a heartbeat. And you've got Kofi and Big E out here throwing up the fists and kneeling in the ring after their amazing podcast recently, by the way. Must listen to that podcast. Yeah. Um, Forgotten Sons are gone, and we jump-started Cesaro Nakamura in this feud. Very telling, I thought. Yes. So, um, Bailey Bration also happened. Bailey wanted to come out and celebrate her tag team title win with Sasha. It was quickly interrupted by Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss and the Iconics up on the Titantron. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Great. They, they spoiled the Bailey Bration. Bailey and screaming on the floor about it. I, I don't know where the women's tag division cool. is going now. Does it feel bigger for some reason that Bailey and Sasha have it now? Not as much as I would have liked it to. I wanted it to feel bigger, but at least we've got more than one or two teams now that are and, in contention. And whoever wins this match on Sunday is going to NXT next week to face Tegan Knox and Shotzi Blackheart. Love it. Love it. So, you know, when Beth Phoenix is on backstage saying, uh, or Paige is on backstage saying, hey, you've got to put these titles on women that are going to go around and do something with them. Well, at least they're doing something with them. You know, yep. maybe, and who knows where they'll end up after the Sunday. Well, Bailey and Sasha tried to take him down to NXT too, and it didn't work out too well because they wouldn't. You know, they just wanted to retain him. But if they, if it gets to a point where it looks like actual contenders on any given day can t- take those titles off of Bailey and Sasha, fine. Yeah, you know, I I want I that wanna, to be real. I want to throw this out there. Uh, Kyle in the chat said I wanted to hear Miz and Morrison's music video. And Bailey's poem, damn it. Kyle, I'm so damn with you. I wanted to hear that music video so bad from Miz and Morrison, and Braun Strowman interrupted it. And I wanted to hear Bailey's crappy poem so bad, but this segment was 30 seconds because we had to have a half an hour of Jeff Hardy throwing pee in Sheamus's face. I, they had a, a package for Matt Riddle. Matt Riddle's debuting next week, and I'm so freaking terrified for him right now. Yep. Uh, no in the chat to chant for him. Uh, I just, I, super chat. Super chat relevant about this. Dynamic J Thought says $2 in the chat. Thank you, sir. He says, the ones Heyman was hellbent on pushing, doomed. Who's that in reference to? Uh, I would imagine that everyone who's getting pushed on Monday Night Raw, uh. all the new talent, Angel Garza, Alistair Black, Murphy, uh, Austin Theory, Humberto Carrillo, they're toast. They're, they're messed. And, and Matt Riddle coming up, and they're... They're already like they pushed heavy that his bro Derek finish, which is basically like a, a modified gotch style uh, styles clash, which is not his showiest finishing style move. That's going to be his finishing move. They're going to be really concentrating on. And I'm like, eh. so I'm already worried about our boy Matt Riddle on the main roster, especially after watching Smackdown this week, because who boy, they're lucky that AJ and Daniel Bryan saved this show because if it hadn't been for them. <laughs> They would have crapped the bed. And the thing is, Nick, they're going home to Backlash, which is tomorrow, which means we got to make those pick'ems. So, Nick, let's go give our pick'ems for Backlash. 
Well, first up, we've got New Day facing off against, I guess because they had a match last night, uh, New Day versus Nakamura, Nakamura and Cesaro for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. Again, I, I have a feeling originally this was supposed to be Forgotten Sons, and then things happened. Yes. And now we're getting this. This is going to be a damn good match, is all I know. Oh, yeah. You know, the, the little tease we got of it on SmackDown was good. They're going to up it for this. Awesome. Very cool. Looking forward to it. New Day retains. Totally. Agreed. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> I feel like this is going to open the show. Yeah. Jeff Hardy versus Sheamus in the Who Smells More Like Pee match. Oh, God. Uh, what do you think? Do you think, do you think Sheamus uh, sneaks out a win here so this continues, or does Jeff finally get his back? I think Jeff gets his back. Uh, I'm actually going to go with you on that. I think that after all that Sheamus has done, ah, you know what? Hmm. Mm. I think this feud might continue. I'm just looking down the rest of the card uh, here. Are we going to get to poo next? Are they just going to start flinging poo at each other? I'm going to take Sheamus on this one. Oh, boy. Just because he's going to be a, a pain in Jeff's ass for longer. Ew. Um, yes, we're going to have monkey throwing, monkey poo throwing after this. <laughs> it's going to be like uh, Triple H in the, in versus, um, uh, oh, shoot. What the hell is his name? The Godfrey in the, the pigsty match. Be like that. Oh, the in-your-house match. Mm-hmm. Apollo Crews versus Andrade for the U.S. title. This could be a show stealer, mm-hmm. but not the greatest match ever. No. But perhaps a show stealer. Andrade versus Apollo Crews. Is Apollo retaining his title, I th- or does he lose it? I, I'm going to go for other reasons, because I think there's some turmoil happening with other members. Uh, I'm going to go Andrade gets it back. Really? Yeah. Wow, that's a, I would actually be... And, and it's not going to be clean. Something's going to happen here, either Garza or Zelina, or something's going to happen. And But I think Andrade sneaks one out with a with a roll-up and gets it back. I think that for the exact reasons, Cruz will win and retain, because I think the Garza, Garza and Andrade thing will fall apart entirely at this pay-per-view. The Iconics versus Bliss Cross, Applesauce versus Sasha and Bailey for the women's tag team titles. You think the uh, the ladies are retaining... Or do you think they're going to drop it to one of these other teams? I mean, they just got them a week ago. So, I mean, I, I want the Iconics to have the tag team, women's tag team championships. They were brilliant with them before, and then they disappeared. Mm-hmm. And it was so short, such, such a short run, we don't really have a good idea of it. I feel like this might be a reset, but they're not going to take them off Sasha and Bailey a week after they got them. Uh, so they're going to retain. Exactly. They're, they just got them. Yeah. It, would be, it would be insane if they did. Um, if they did, and just to advance the Sasha and Bailey breakup angle, you'd have to sit there and go, why did you put them on them in the first place? Exactly. Why there, you couldn't have done it any other way. Yep. And then it, you it say be, Charlotte would, after Oscar instead of sending her after Bailey, which I, whatever, we don't want to what, get into what, all what, that. what? Okay. Yeah. Sasha Bailey retained. Agreed. Nia Jax versus Oscar. Are you taking your girl in this one, Nick? No. Uh, Oscar retains. Dang, we're agreeing a lot on this, man. We're agreeing a lot on this. I do think Oscar retains, too. If you have her drop, it's Nia Jax. Oh, God. I don't even know what I'd do. I'd burn something down. I'd be, I'd be upset. Braun Strowman versus Miz and Morrison. Hey, hey. Ho, ho. Ho, ho. They better show that, that, that music video at this pay-per-view. Hey, hey. Ho, ho. Braun Strowman got to go. Uh, <laughs> do you think Braun's dropping it here, dude? I am tempted to make a, tra- a crazy pick. 
Because I, I nothing mean, else is changing on this card. This is what I'm looking at. I'm like, they've got to have some titles change hands. Yeah, right? I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do something crazy here. I'm gonna say Miz and Morrison does pull You're off, out of pull your off the victory mind. because nobody else is dropping titles, and that's solely the reason why. And I could it see them me, doing something yeah. stupid like this. You've got Andrade picking up the U.S. title, though. That's true. Uh, I mean, please make your crazy pick. I'm, I'm not gonna stick with my crazy pick. Okay. It makes me worried for Asuka, to be honest with you. Yeah. Or they might actually do this crazy Sasha Bailey thing. I don't know. Uh, Bobby Lashley versus Drew McIntyre for the WWE Championship. I don't. Yeah, they're not going to change the hands on this one either. What in the world is... Are, what are we seeing at Backlash here? What in the world are we seeing at Backlash here? And finally, the greatest wrestling match ever. The greatest wrestling match ever. Edge versus Randy Orton. In a pre-recorded, a pre-recorded match, they're going to call the greatest wrestling match ever. Oh, uh, uh, God, your online metrics are not worth this horrible title, guys. I'm just saying. Who do you think is winning the greatest wrestling match ever? I have no idea. <laughs> it was competitive at Mania. Edge ultimately pulled it out. And does that mean Randy gets this one? I, it, it really depends on what... It, it, Edge signed a three-year deal. We know he's sticking around. Where's the story go from here? Christian's now involved. My gut instinct is to choose Randy Orton. Are you going with your gut? I don't know yet. You you do yours. <laughs> uh, I'm taking Edge because after all of this build, if you have you know, Edge is saying, I, I don't know if I've got it in me yet. I don't know if I've got it back. Yeah. I've got to climb this mountain um and if i don't then i'm a broken man i kind of feel like they've put way too many chips in the guacamole here yeah like you gotta you gotta have edge pull this one out otherwise as you said where do you go from here if randy beats him here in the greatest wrestling match ever how do you how do you have edge come back if randy can eat this pin and he'll be fine but the way that you've built edge you can't have him lose it's got to be edge you're right Right. It's it's okay. got to be Edge. There there's there really go. no logical reason why Randy needs to win this match. There are a dozen why Edge does. Edge Edge has to win here. Has to. I kind of feel so too. Well, there you go, guys. There's our picks for Backlash. Lock them in, uh, and we will see you guys tomorrow night for the show in the Discord live chat. If you're not in there, mm. make sure you're in there. Uh, and we'll be back tomorrow night right after the show with our recap and analysis as we normally are. But we're not done quite yet. We've got to head over and no. do what we like to call our moment of positivity. Mop. That's right, the mop, the moment of positivity, the part of the show where we try to turn everything back around if we were bitchy or if we were complaining about things too much. Well, we got to end on a positive note. We're going to pick something from the last few days in wrestling that made us happy, that gave us that warm, fuzzy feeling inside, something that we can end the show on a nice big woo-saw and go back out into the world with a smile on our face. So what was your moment of positivity for this show, Nick? Part of me wants to say the antics of, of Otis again, but I've used that one too many times. Like every time. Yeah, every time. 
part of me wants to say the the reveal and unmasking of Hijo de Fantasma. Hijo de puta. Yeah, just he's kind of a brat at this point. Hijo de puta. Um, the one thing that I kind of marked out for this week that you guys heard a couple of times here on the show as well was Scarlet coming out with the hourglass. Mm. and closing out NXT on that shot of Adam Cole looking ominously down at the hourglass. Mm-hmm. That was mm-hmm. that was probably my... It would be very easy to say the AJ Daniel Bryan match. Um, I'm, sure. But I... I, Yeah, that's the, that's the one thing I'm going to remember this week is how eerie and how chilling that felt, especially right after you had all the stuff with Dexter Loomis throughout the show. So I was, I was on edge... Totally for NXT this week, and Scarlet closing it out with the hourglass was definitely my moment of positivity yep. for the week. Very strong yep. finish. Very strong finish. And it's funny because, you know, as much as we just bitched about SmackDown in that segment, the, the open it was absolute garbage. Uh, it's funny because, you know, AEW was two hours of entertainment. I was never bored watching AEW this week. Right. I didn't have a moment where I was kind of like, eh. SmackDown had that absolutely amazing match throughout the entire guts of it. So even though it had some weak segments, overall, I had a good time watching SmackDown thanks to that match. And the, honestly, the main event was entertaining too. But I've, Nick, I could pick like five different moments from NXT this week that could have been my moment of positivity. You know, Whether it was the Cameron Grimes shenanigans in the back, Keith Lee and Mia Yim versus the Garganos was wildly entertaining. Uh, <laughs> Like the, the as you said the 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 carry and cross finish the Dexter Loomis being a creepy guy throughout the entire thing and Roddy just like ah! running terrified from him. <laughs> He's NXT, a changed man. NXT has turned the ship around so hard this week that that is my moment of positivity. Good one. How I felt after NXT was done was my moment of positivity. I because I felt like it was going in a positive direction. I, and again, this is against everything else that was so good this week. NXT was so damn good, and I was so relieved that it finally felt like NXT again. That that that's got to be it. I was I was so tickled after NXT this week. So that's I, my moment of positive. I have an honorable mention that I'd like to throw in as well. Okay, one honorable mention for the first time, uh, the season finale of Total Bellas. Uh, did higher in the ratings than both AEW Dynamite and NXT. <laughs> Disgusting. So, I'm, I'm not kidding, though. And thanks to Marshall for the numbers in, in the group. No, uh, I know. NXT I know. was 673K. AEW Dynamite was 677K. Total Bellas, 693,000. Outperforming both wrestling shows. <laughs> Good job, Bellas. Good job. Oh, man, <laughs> that was hard to end on. But thank you guys very much for joining us. Uh, we will be right back with a new stream to do our patron mailbag that we do every single week. And if patrons, quick reminder, you got about two minutes to go get your question in if you haven't already. <laughs> yeah. But if you'd like to get your question in every single week, you can head over to patreon.com slash BWOG. All you got to be in is that $5 tier to get your questions in and participate in our patron pickups challenges every time yes. for the big four pay-per-views. Next one up is SummerSlam, where Robbie oh, RB will be defending his new championship he won at WrestleMania. So make sure you head over to patreon.com slash BWO. You can also get bonus episodes at the $10 tier, uh, Skype calls, all kinds of good stuff at the higher tiers. 
Uh, but Man, yeah, that the pickums for WrestleMania was an absolute <laughs> war. Oh. Oh, so war. good. So good. At the, and a photo finish, man. Previous champion Chris White and Robbie RB at the finish. Just, oh, that was close. Yeah. Good stuff. If you guys aren't doing it, you should. It's a ton of fun. But as Nick said, you got to sign up for Patreon. Yes. Good stuff. And it is the best way to support your boys here. So thank you very yes. much to all of the patrons for all of your continued thank you, support thank you, month thank you. after month. Uh, and thank you to everyone in the chat right now for hanging out with us and throwing in the super chat and everything yeah. else. Like You guys are awesome, too. We very much appreciate you coming and listening to us live on YouTube. Absolutely. Every single week, man. We really appreciate it. Uh, follow us over on Twitter and Instagram at BWO Podcast. Join us in the Facebook group. Just search for Busted Wide Open. You can find it over there. The big one, though, is our Discord community that is really blowing up. Uh, we'd love to see people in there live chatting all throughout the week and doing throwback, throwback chats uh, for older content from the 90s with Mr. Andy Jessup. Lots of good conversations happening over there but yes the hub of our operation youtube.com slash busted wide open make sure you're subscribed jingle the little notification bell so you get notified anytime we go live or put up new episodes of bwo daily your source for news in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling every single day monday through friday but my name is nick howell you can find me on twitter at data center dude and I am Sir Ian Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Sir Ian Dangerous. But my God, would somebody stop the damn match? This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.